0: This is Consuming Culture, and I'm Kat McShane. I'm a journalist and filmmaker, and this podcast is all about how and why culture gets made, told through the eyes of the people who make it. Sounds simple, right? Well, I'm hoping this series gives some unique insights into what it means to be an artist when the big issues of the day, like wealth inequality, advances in technology, and people-powered social movements, are fundamentally altering the way culture is made, consumed and valued. Bruce Ingram is a sculptor and painter who has been nominated for the Jerwood Drawing Prize. He uses discarded materials and recycles everyday consumer objects in a process that he describes as spontaneous but also brutal. Artworks are constantly being reassessed and physically deconstructed to explore what else it could be. And I wanted to know if there was a life lesson in there for me. We sat down at his studio in Deptford, South London, to do a collage, so excuse the sound quality, some artistic paraphernalia may have scraped too close to the mic. Um, so Bruce has set out a table for us, um, with lots of materials on it, with lots of different coloured card and paper and there's glue and... And we've both got a big sheet of paper in front of us as well. So we're going to do some collage.
1: And... It's like a sort of kid's activity table, isn't it? We've all got our, our scissors and our glue and we're ready to go. But <laughs> um, you can't go wrong making a collage. So it would be interesting to see how you respond to some of the things that I like to use. So.
0: Bruce, tell me about um, whether... Did, did you grow up in um, a, a sort of house that was very artistic?
1: <laughs> um, no, not at all. Um, I grew up in, in Cornwall in a, in a town called F- in Falmouth and um, I grew I, I lived sort of in the countryside and um, my my family sort of consumed with animals and nature I guess which as a child was you know great um, upbringing but it wasn't sort of a place where we really looked at art or as much visual culture the visual things that I enjoyed would have been uh, nature and like having animals around me and and I kind of lived in my own world I think to the age of about 10 you know I had to sort of create my own uh, entertainment and uh, you know if you're playing um, you, you make your own worlds so in some ways I think I'm still doing the same thing hmm
0: because you obviously this studio is absolutely chock full of uh, materials of all different kinds that I'm assuming you have been hunting and gathering your whole adult life virtually well not maybe your whole adult life but some some years um is that even when you were a child did you used to kind of scavenge and keep things and collect things
1: uh yeah um yeah my bedroom I guess just a an archive of things that I collected uh anything we looked bottles (laughs) badges you know as kids do um my main passion I think was collecting stamps until I don't know when I was about 10 years of age and um, I found my stamp collection recently. I thought I thought it's been thrown away, um, and I was, I was very happy to find it um, because stamps were just something I could collect, but also um, sort of like a, they were like little artworks for me. You know, something I could collect, and um, I used to collect them thematically. So you know, I'd arrange them into groups of things like uh, flowers, or fish, or animals, or planets. And then also through countries, so it's almost like, like you could imagine what those countries were through their stamps. And I love just arranging them into the albums and using these little paper hinges to, to stick them down.
0: Do you think it, you know, it, that was the first inklings of how you might want to work when you were older?
1: Well, I look at, you know, looking back, and it's interesting thing about your childhood, but yeah, I do think that's, I think it's an artistic process. Um, you know the way you can lay out something where you arrange and put things together you know it's an artistic process that I employ now so yeah stamps I've been collecting and when I was a kid and then as a teenager I you know growing up in a small like any um like a young person living in a small town in the countryside I was just really obsessed with magazines that was just like I loved buying the um, like face or id you know these these glossy magazines that just connected me to a world beyond, um, you know, my, my existence in the countryside. I used to love just cutting out all the images and just sticking them all over my wall. That was just, um, like many teenagers would. But it's something I still do now. You know, my studio is covered in, um, not magazine images, but I still use that process of pinning and sticking things up on the studio wall because mm-hmm. I want them around me and, that, you know, the things I need to look at and, you know, as a sort of 15, 16-year-old, um, you know, identi- trying to find things that you identify to was really important, you know, claiming, um, you know, it's music or fashion or art and just, uh, my bedroom was just a collage space and the studio is the same thing, so mm. yeah, the act of collecting, arranging, um, you know, putting things on pin boards are processes that I really like and... Um, the things that I still do
0: Mm. Mm. in a way I suppose is your studio a bit like the safe space of your teenage teenage bedroom
1: yeah Um, you know as a a teenager I just love arranging my bedroom just changing all around you know Um, and I still do that in the studio (laughs) Uh, because things need to work in different ways and you know when you actually change the flow in the system and the way you might display and look at things new things happen juxtaposing things together or um you know layering things on top of each other can be sort of new creative discoveries
0: um and then so even you didn't have sort of huge amounts of um influences at, at home in terms of kind of becoming an artist what was it that made you think oh no this is something that i can pursue what, what about sort of art at school what was that like
1: yeah um I just loved, you know, I loved making art and, and doing things. I was quite self-motivated as a kid. You know, I'd really enjoy just drawing, you know, at home and, and doing that activity. And I, obviously, I loved art at school. Um, but my understanding of art, I think, was quite limited. Even though Cornwall, looking back, you now has such a rich um, cultural, you know, history within it in terms of artistic um, legacy it was not something we ever sort of went to St. Ives, for example, or, you know, went to an art gallery. The first time I went to an art gallery was when I was 17, which, you know, is quite late for, for someone who yeah. really you know, enjoyed art and interest, was interested. But then again, um, I remember my teacher at school just having a book, which was actually really influential yeah. on me, I and mean, it's like a really generic book that everyone would know. Um, but it came out, and I think... In the 90s when I was about 14 you know it's called the art book and it's published by Faden and I'm sure it sold millions of copies and it's just a really simple book of an artist on each page and my art teacher had it on her desk and she would let us look at it in the art lesson and and this one book just you know because it's a history of art book and I just mm. had lots of examples um was so exciting I remember buying it for my birthday money, and I've still got it, and I just uh, think it's such a uh, a great, you know, for a young person, how you access information has changed now. And that one book really changed my understanding of art. And now I, I, I think about that book all the time when I go to places, like if I go to a museum I haven't been to, mm. and then suddenly I will see something from the art book, um... I feel it's like a bit of of an achievement somehow, you know, I've witnessed it in real life.
0: I really like this one, it's got like um, a multi-coloured sort of butterfly in it and then...
1: The blue stripe's really nice, you can layer that on top of your spray paint paper maybe.
0: I feel like I'm going for a lot of the...
1: You're going for squares I think, you're going for like... Why am I going um... for
0: squares? Um, I need to I tell you what. what I'm maybe... gonna give you
1: some shapes. Okay, so there you go.
0: <laughs> I'm so linear. This is what I'm talking about. I don't know how to. I need to break out and learn how to be more expressive.
1: Well, you know, visually you, expressive. You could just mix it up, scale and um, shapes. Yeah. I think.
0: Yeah, I'm mean, looking. Me, I'm gonna make a diagonal line. I'm just <laughs> gonna do
1: it. Just <laughs> go for, see if you can do a preformed circle. What's a three-form circle? Like, you just cut a three, circle. Three-form, okay. cut circle out of yeah. But also, um, you know, growing up in Falmouth, I was lucky enough to have a really good art school. Yes. Falmouth School of Art. And it was just my um, ambition to go there. That's all. You what know, I knew I really wanted to do. Um, and I ended up doing a foundation year at the art school, which was brilliant. Obviously, art school, quite a long time
0: ago. Yeah. How would you describe your work now?
1: I guess it's a sort of different, I do different things. I make uh, sort of, uh, my work's very abstract and, you know, I I start off a lot of the time making drawings, just flat drawings using collage like we're doing now. Then uh, through sort of rejecting, rejection's quite a theme in my work of sort of um, getting rid of. Things that don't work become useful, and uh, the drawing work the, on paper can become sculptural. So um, they, they, they move into a more uh, 3D and layered uh, process, which involves layering and, and twisting and fastening and stapling together. So they become from the flat, from the two, the two dimensional, into something 3D. So there's a shift towards the uh, the 2D to the 3D in the sculptural surface. And then I also make uh, paintings as well using uh, more assembled materials, uh, found materials, a lot of time concealing layers as well. So the layering process is evident in everything that I do as well. And then I make sculptures as well, which can be gathered again from different resources and somehow merged together merging, layering <laughs> mm. and fixing um, a sort of apparent parent through the whole process but it's a, it's a really fluid process for me in, in what, whatever I'm making um, things inform each other and the studio environment really helps with that flow and I like the fact that things don't stay permanent mm that everything's up for questioning somehow. So I think something might be a painting and then I may break that painting or glue it to another canvas and then it's it's become a painting but also a bit of a sculpture. But it still talks about being a 2D thing as well. Mm. So this idea of collapsing and merging artworks really follows through on everything that I do.
0: Is that way of working, is that something that you have always had, or is that something where you made a a sort of decision to have a more fluid and open art practice?
1: I think I made a decision. Um, yeah, because, you know, one the idea of making an artwork and having a fixed idea of what it's going to be it just didn't really work for me in the end. Um, you know, you have the idea, then you follow it through to the outcome. Just, I don't know, it just seems a little bit you know, predictable, you know, stop and start. And I just wanted to open up, I guess, the way I react and think about uh, things I either gather or the marks that I make for drawing and painting that have the potential to do other things as well. Mm.
0: Um, when did you make that decision?
1: Can you remember? Yeah, I, did. I, I, remember I sort of became a bit exhausted with work that I was making. I felt like I just kind of hit the end of a, a journey. And I start to look at maybe some of the bits of things that were left over. Uh, parts of the process that you might normally throw away. And then I just made a shift to, to work in an abstract manner. Um, you know, with, with the, the images that I make aren't so much grounded in the things that you would understand as being familiar, mm. they can only be what they are because of how they're made, you know, the images that they're making, their, their colours, their shapes, their compositions, which Has it been is quite a big shift in terms yeah. of thinking.
0: So how does a, um, how does a piece of um, your work actually start? Is
1: there is... Well, much the same as what we're doing now, um, you know, around the studio there's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And you know, we're, we're sort of traveling through this archive that's mainly on the floor and on the studio wall. And you know, it, it's literally just finding mm. something familiar and recognizable that I want to uh, work from. So, you grab something, out that you like. That you like have that kind of image, yeah. So, well, you like can have... put that in your collage, yeah. Yeah,
0: I'll put wall that I've picked up stuff, um, a picture of um. A bit of a suit jacket. a uh, grey natty suit jacket.
1: These works, I really like the fact they're not on one piece of paper. Yeah. That they're made up of lots of histories of different activities and drawings. Um,
0: yeah. What is the role of sort of history in your work? Because you know, I guess lots of artists would they use all new all new materials and you know presumably that's quite costly as as well but it seems like for you using materials that have already been used somehow somewhere else seems sort of very relevant or very important to you.
1: Yeah I think it's just um, when I look at things they sometimes sort of especially objects you might experience um, they can have a quite a direct use for something else. Um, like my sculptures are very much assembled from uh, found objects as well, and i've I've made some sculptures recently out of plaster, but I've just used takeaway uh, wrappers um the tinfoil um, cases you'd get a takeaway in to pour the plaster in. you see this sort one of, yeah, 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 there's
0: this a whole um a whole wall of Bruce's studio. Uh, seems that if you it actually if I'm looking at it there's quite a, there's probably maybe 10 different sculptures yeah no, they're,
1: they're made up they're similar materials and um, like the, the, the bottom of these sculptures are made out of packaging so these the, the brown cases are for what you put nectarines in the supermarket <laughs> when you buy them yeah which is a, a really great piece of packaging visually yeah um, but it also has a sort of logic to make something you can fill it with plaster and submerge other shapes and other things and the the things that I've put into the plaster are just bits of off cuts um, and stuff that I've used in other bits of work that has been lying around and they've become sort of compositions um, in their own right.
0: And then other ones are takeaway boxes?
1: Yeah they are and uh, again they're just really they're useful um, as a container, just to to pour a liquid, which is plaster, into something solid. But I've sort of started to lodge them together. Mm. And often I I like things because they have a logic to them but they do to me. (laughs) So, um, you know, these containers have got a, a, a trace of being made for something else but actually they've got an interesting texture or shape which also um, you know, forms part of the base for making something. So there's also like other, there's loads of like balls in there, there's balls of string. Mm-hmm. Um, what else can you see, can
0: I... Tennis balls. Tennis
1: balls, yeah, they feature a lot.
0: And some that kind of almost look ship-like uh, at the top.
1: Yeah, I kind of think of them as boats. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And they're sort of just carrying the sort of flotsam or process, you know, within them. So they're, they're like a fleet.
0: Thing. Oh, my God, I love that. But also, um, maybe it's just interesting that you're using a lot of uh, materials that are mass produced, right? Like a takeaway carton.
1: But it's like using things up, you know. I might use those uh, takeaway wrappers used as a paint palette first, and then they had another life that's been poured into plaster, and then they've been peeled off. Mm-hmm. I like this sense of using things up and everything in the studio having a use mm. you know or it will find its place somewhere and for me tidying up becomes like a really creative process and you know I had to tidy up yesterday knowing that you were coming <laughs> and you discover things yeah you know when you tidy up and you know I managed to throw away a load of stuff that's just been bothering me in the studio yeah and you know it's good to get out of the system But then also, those those little uh, moments happen when you might think, I'll just try putting that on top of this work, and then it suddenly makes sense. But if I didn't sort of reactivate my space and turn it all over, and, you know, really sort of look through the the, the work I have in here, then those sort of new surprises don't Mm. happen. So, you know, I always think tidying up is a creative process. Because you're assessing, you're actually trying to evaluate what the use is of something. Do you still need it anymore? Does it, have, does it have a role?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think there's probably some sort of life lesson in there as well, isn't there? Around like reevaluating what's useful in your <laughs> to yeah. what's useful in your in your, in your life. Or maybe that's why people find tidying up quite meditative. What did you find yesterday? Did you Did you, did you Was there anything you stumbled across that you're like, yes, haven't seen that in uh,
1: in five years? Well. There's lots of things that just face the wall because you don't want to deal with them. (coughs) There's the sort of problem corner over there, (laughs) which is on the verge of just not working out. But you hold on to stuff because, you know, maybe in a couple of months, Mm. that might actually make sense to something else that you're doing. Um,
0: How long does it normally take you to make a piece of work?
1: I'd love to to just answer that because it's not a start and I don't just sit and do it. You know, in an ideal world, you just kind of come in and, make a piece of art but um you know they're they're the really good moments where you might it just make sense and it all just works and then you're really happy with the um the creation that you've made but most of the time it's it's uh, it's a long longer process that's why i have a lot of things on the go in my studio um with not a lot of stuff here finished because i'm just trying to find out what it is yeah, it does um,
0: feel like you're very productive as an artist. It does feel like there's a lot of sort of output. But is it more like because you don't know how to finish something, you have to keep a lot on the a lot of plates spinning?
1: Yeah, I, that's a good description, spinning plates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'm, I I do make a lot of stuff, but I think making and doing is a way of thinking as well. So um, by not being too precious and trying things out and actually. Experimenting pushes the work forward. So you know, I'm never. I always want to be this kind of artist. Like I tidy the studio once a year, and I'd strip it all back. I paint all the floor, and I just think, oh, it would be great to be one of those artists who just has a laptop and <laughs> you know does some editing in their studio. But as soon as I do that, you know, it, it's a space to to fill up again. Mm. You know, it's it's got to be busy. You know, and it, and it kind of works as one big cycle. So
0: yes, because your offcuts are becoming your new pieces of work. Yeah, so
1: are. yeah, things need to to stick around. Are these? Really, there's some really tall sculptures here. Mm. Um, there were a set of sculptures which um, they were called upturning, actually, and they're made out of. These are made out of frustration <laughs> as well, because these are made out of um, painting stretches So you know, I was probably trying to make some paint large paintings at one point that didn't I wasn't happy with, but I ended up taking the stretches apart and then screwing them together to make these uh freestanding sculptures. And I guess they have an armature of just little bits of scrap wood and the the wooden stretches and then they're sort of like stalic um mites, aren't they? Yes. Is that the word? Going up. Going up, yeah. Very long and pointy. And there were a group of freestanding sculptures, which are, again they're covered in plaster. And uh, these sculptures also had loads. I, I keep all, the, all my studio sweepings, all the, all the bits of dust and um, sand, uh, sawdust. <laughs> and these these works are really layered, sort of building up, you know, gluing, and then sealing with uh, plaster and loads of uh, different coloured paints. And I'd use these sculptures also to. You know, when I'd be painting something else and there's a bit of paint left, I would just rub the paint onto the sculpture. So they're sort of like funny palettes.
0: Yeah, there's loads of different colours going on there and kind of layering of colours as uh, as well.
1: But it's it's the idea of, of... They have, uh, for me, more mm. of a story because they are connected to other things that I'm doing. So in that sense, they're, they're a little bit like a... For me personally, of a diary. You know, the colours that I've used in different different works and they've all been the brushes have been wiped on these these sculptures and it's that sort of not having a predetermined focus on what the out the outcome is going to be a little bit like what we're doing mm. today you know we, we don't have a fixed idea in what 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 the work's going to look like and i think that's really important
0: so you're, so yeah, So you're quite, are you quite sort of comfortable generally with this sort of idea of impermanence? That you can like, you know, this might be fine for now but you can, you'll make a change to it because it might become something better.
1: Yeah, it's got to have that kind of uh, history to it in that process. Um, I'm, I'm, I like the word impermanence. You know, I'm attracted to things that might be impermanent in their structure or you know the way that they're made um and also i think fragility um i, I, I sort of think about the process of collage as quite violent you know in the way that i might deconstruct or rip and tear or cut through drawings that i've made to actually to find purpose in something else and the action you know even the staple gun i think is quite a Mm. a violent um, action. It's very quick, it's very immediate. Um, And then, you know, the layering and the further work on top, you know, on on the collage work, then it's a surface to further draw and paint and really think about composition. Um, But that process is really delicate. And, you know, the final works do have a sense of placement and and fragility in the way that those shapes might sit together. And how that the negative space might be created between two bits of paper, and the way they sit together. So there's opposites there, mm. you know. In, in the history of the making of the work, it's quite sort of robust and um, can be quite quick and fast, and has that sort of violence to it. But then there's a slowing down of really considering and trying to place and trying to work out and what needs to be revealed by letting. Letting it through like a cutaway hole, um, or what needs to be painted and covered up. Mm. So that really interests me. The way things, yeah, things sit together, and, and find their value in their association and their their assemble nature. Um, for me, it just becomes like a logic uh-huh. that I'm thinking. You know, when I'm, when I'm working, I'm just trying to find how these things are going to operate together in one sculptural in one picture plane and when that happens that's great but a lot of the time it doesn't so
0: it could become something else how do you know when something is finished and that you are ready to show it
1: um i like to let it sort of sit you know just things it's funny because things can just sort of like just stop as well Mm -hmm. through not working on them and then suddenly being okay with the way with the way it is and you think you're going to work on it more but then it becomes um, very familiar in in its existence so that can sort of conclude itself because it doesn't need anything mm.
0: um what here is finished and what here isn't what what, 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 if, what is run it run that d- you're not what is it that's not sitting right at the
1: moment uh, what are the challenges yeah I'm trying I think I think one of the things I find harder is just giving space for things like I'm a busy kind of artist, you know like I use lots of materials you know there's no minimalism in my work, <laughs> <laughs> but you know trying to let certain marks and uh, you know areas of an artwork actually have the um, the weight you know without overworking them I think it's very easy for things to come overworked, yeah, and that's when i disregard them usually you know we'll start doing something else with them um, right, we're looking at the sculpture here which yeah. is it's actually a tin biscuit tin which is the base and then it's got some wood bits of a, of a palette, these squares and then it's got another plaster bit on top and it, again it's it's got lots of different painted facets to it it's kind of finished but it maybe not um, And this sculpture, there's another sculpture here. What's
0: that? What's that made out of?
1: The base is is just a a water bottle. That's you know the plaster is always you know liquid state that becomes solid, which you can put things in. It's very media. Um, So the base is the plaster, and it's still got evidence of. You can see it was a bottle, Mm. and then it has a stick sort of coming out of it. But then it has a painting uh, screwed into it. So again you can see on the back mm. that it's a it's a painting that's been bolted on. So yeah, it's a it's almost like a flag the way it stands. But it's two things, you know, it's a, a painting and a sculpture but in one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's finished. I can't think of anything else I'd want to put on it, so for that reason I'm <laughs> <laughs> done.
0: There's lots of different textures on the on the painting side of it as well. It feels like it's not sort of it's not completely flat.
1: No. Um I think that would have started off with having some kind of textile. You know, sometimes I use bits of clothing mm-hmm. in the work, which um, for me brings a sort of personal narrative too. You know, that like everything has got an opportunity to be in an artwork. Um, you know, when I get clothes, I just look at them for. I might take them to the charity shop and think, actually, do these? is there a pattern in that or is there a colour that might... Be interesting in, in an artwork so yeah a lot of my clothes end up being somehow the base layer for working on but this also has like sand um plaster household paints um wood oil pastels yeah and, and it's it, again it's 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 layered and concealed but there's just bits that are just left to that you can just see
0: yes it's not all completely covered with um
1: but I do spend a lot of time concealing um, my activity, you know, what I paint or what I draw ends up getting uh, covered up somehow.
0: I actually think you use your artistic process as a way of kind of thinking through your personal life as well.
1: In what sense? In, in...
0: Like if you wanted to, I don't know. Uh, Change your job, or change where you live, or um, past relationships. I don't know. Like, are you like okay? What will be will be. I'm happy to like make a change to something and see whether it's better on the other side.
1: I can't really confidently answer that as a sort of a preoccupied yes or no. Um, I I guess we're always always looking forward, aren't we? As humans, as the next step, and what's the you know, how much do we live in the moment?
0: Well, I mean, personally, that's something I struggle <laughs> struggle with quite a
1: lot. But we're consumed about the next thing, aren't we?
0: Yeah. Well, it just seems that there's actually a kind of... Uh, there's a I suppose there's a positivity to your process in that, as you say, there can be a violent um, destruction of something that might be OK, uh, but you're willing to say... I'll I'll, I'll gamble with it and take it apart and put something else on it and put something else on it and it will because it will be better yeah at the end of that it's
1: made use out of that out of what I guess you could say is a negative negative in some kind of positive
0: yeah well your work is in a way I suppose about renewal as well
1: yeah repurposing
0: At this stage of the interview, I found myself gently trying to peel back some of those layers that Bruce might be concealing, but they were proving harder to dislodge than I had hoped. And anyway, we had an art assignment to complete.
1: How's your collage
0: going? Well, honestly, Bruce, <laughs> I mean, I'm actually really, I love all my materials, I love all my little, like, I look, need I've gone bit. a bit flat though, haven't I? I'm gonna give you this. And it's <laughs> this has to keep helping me yeah. out.
1: <laughs> I think we need a bigger, a bigger space, maybe.
0: So hang on. Would I, would I take? So this is quite some quite heavy card that's mm. got a few layers of card a on, it been painted through. What
1: would? You... Why don't you stick some of those shapes on top of that first? Yes. So make your decision now of how you might arrange those shapes. Okay.
0: I'm so, so like square. is like a collage. I think I should turn these squares into something more oh. interesting.
1: Cat, there's no one right.
0: <laughs> but I like all my bits. So I like all my I like all my things. Okay, and I That's, should, good. That's nice. Yeah, Bruce is happy because yeah. I've laid yeah, something. Layered, yeah.
1: <laughs> what about just sort of shape up here. <laughs> well, look, we can speed it up a bit as well with some
0: with the old staple gun.
1: Hardcore staple, yeah
0: a teacher as well. Yeah. Do you ever, like, at the end of a lesson to take all their offcuts off to your own studio?
1: Yeah, absolutely. All the bits, all the funny shapes that they cut out, or you know, if they're using um, an A4 piece of paper, uh, the logical thing would be to sort of you know, cut from the corner, but, you know, kids will cut all these shapes around the side and you'd end up with something like that (laughs) which (laughs) which is a really, it's almost like a piece of Swiss cheese, isn't it? It's got some holes cut into it. But you know that's useful to me because I can never dream of that that shape. Yeah, yeah. You know? And when that ins- that if that survives into a piece of artwork, um, there's a different history to the artwork. You know, that's shared from someone else. Mm. And it, you know, it's, it's found its place. That would be, you know, something would go in the bin. Um, could become really interesting in the composition. So, yeah, I do... Nothing is wasted. Nothing's wasted, but I have experimented with um, getting other people to make marks. You know, there's a lot of mark-making in my work. Right. And, you know, the idea of different hands, having different energies and um, a different feel can be quite useful because then it's just more information for me to Mm. um, extract from. So it's not just
0: materials that you are reusing, it's also... Feelings. yeah that's
1: quite a nice that's quite a nice interpretation um, it's a different hand it's a different quality mm-hmm. and I know very much if I was going to paint some paper with the intention of cutting it up I'm you know I know exactly how I might um, what it's for and how I might navigate that activity but if I just ask 20 other people to put marks on it they're going to be all different and then when I start cutting that up it's going to have that sort of um, vitality to it.
0: Hey, what do you think of my, um...
1: (laughs) Have you finished? I don't know. But what I do like about it, it's not on on the paper that we started from. You've actually um, put it on this funny shape, which is already interesting, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I'm glad that you gave me the big
1: um, shape. And it's got this nice sort of sense of movement through it with composition. Thank you. And it's got some good colours, so, yeah, you can stick it on your fridge. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm really, really pleased with this. (laughs) Thanks, Bruce. Um, How near to completion have you got to with a piece of work before you've decided to destroy
1: it? Um, I've invested a lot of time. I often do. Um, And it can be quite difficult to sort of let go because once you invest the time into something, um, it's difficult to disregard it, perhaps. So... That's why I would often leave things for quite a long time. Because uh, you need to sort of emotionally detach yourself from the amount of time you put into those actions. Mm. So when you're looking at a bit later on with fresh eyes, it's very easy, you know, to actually pull something stretch stretch or cut something out from a bigger work. And, you know, it's the right thing to do. So mm. I mean, I'm quite happy to sort of, you know, get rid of stuff and break things up. Um, because it's suddenly I'm trying to make sense out of it somewhere else, I think when you like morph something together or something else or it just has this unexpected quality to it um, yeah. which I find really interesting, and it's got to go through these sort of rhythms in the in the process to get somewhere else you know like I'm just the work that I've been doing this week is. These collages, just flat collages on A3 pieces of paper. But I, I think I've got 12 in this group that I've kept, but I've probably made about 40. Wow. And they're just getting a tight edit that I'm just not happy. And they get added to the collage box. But they've got value now because there'll be a shape or there'll be something that we will cut out that we'll find somewhere along the line that Mark's already been made. And it will find a new place. Mm. Mm. So yeah, you've got to keep it, keep it going. <laughs> keep it going. <laughs> um. I feel the studio constantly needs input, things bringing into it. Yeah. You know, uh, either you know stuff that I'm making sculptures out of, or you know making marks on paper to make collage from. Um, it's got to. It can't get too stagnant. I think
0: this is a metaphor for life. We have to keep bringing
1: new... New things to it.
0: Bring new materials into our lives, otherwise we uh, otherwise we get stagnant. Have to keep things, keep things going.
1: But we do update all the time, don't we? You know, that's just, again, human nature.
0: Well, I think maybe it's your human nature, Bruce. Maybe, I don't know, if ever I think some people would struggle, struggle with doing that. You know, lots of the themes that you have talked about today um, are some quite big themes in life. I don't
1: know. Leaning towards bigger subjects. Yeah,
0: in a way, I I I I do. Um, So I've recently gone through a breakup. So these themes that you've been talking about, so destruction and renewal, (laughs) are feeling um, very relevant. And so you make this sort of beautiful work, which you're then quite able to. Sort of take it, sit with, take apart, screw something else onto it, put new bits onto it, and then it, you know, you, it feels like you have the confidence to uh, make something new. You it feels like you're quite comfortable with this sense of sort of impermanence and the idea that something better will come out of that, which I right. find
1: regeneration.
0: Yeah, regenerate, regeneration. Um, and I was thinking on my way here oh, so I feel like I create these really beautiful relationships and then I sort of destroy them from the inside until the sort of person that I'm with sort of gives up, which is how I feel. But the irony is that I'm not comfortable with impermanence and change. And what I'm, so what I'm wondering is, is what I'm hoping that maybe I can learn from your practice, Bruce, is that actually there can be a renewal from disruption and change I'm not anywhere near it yet I have to say the no. the positive renewal bit but I think maybe that's the, the well, lesson I, that I can come I love that
1: interpretation I'm, I'm, the fact that you've thought about my work in relation to your own personal experience it's really fascinating you know it's, because obviously that's not something I really think about mm. when I'm making artwork and I'm not kind of doesn't have such a personal voice um, in my investigation, but the fact there's you know, someone else uh, thinking about themes that relate to them personally, and something I'm learning from, from you, you know, that's something you're bringing to the table. Mm. Um, it's a fascinating interpretation?
0: Yeah. And I find it surprising that you wouldn't recognize that in your in your work, that something, your methodology, to me, has this really obvious um, lesson for life in it. In but do you see it
1: as a positive, you know, as a positive transition?
0: For me personally, at this moment, I'd like it not to be the case, but I do know also that I have to think, as you said earlier, think forward. It should be what's next. In, and that's the way you, you know, you talked about kind of your approaching your work. So I think, yeah, I think there is a positivity to it. I think there's a kind of belief that the next thing can be better uh, if, this, if the thing that you've got at the moment hasn't, hasn't worked out.
1: And perhaps, you know, those experiences have value. Yes. Um, yeah. Because all these experiences are still in the artwork. You know, um, those experiments from other times or you know failed things they're all still relevant in the things that I make so that might be a quite nice way of interpreting if they haven't gone away they might just be concealed <laughs> No, <laughs> I, I,
0: I, I absolutely absolutely that is part of it too yes those experiences that we have in our in our relationships our personal relationships for good or for bad we, carry, you know, we do carry them them with us and hopefully there are lessons in that in terms of how you go on to the next thing, whatever that is um, as well yeah, just like one of your one of your collages <laughs> just like one of my just like this just lovely like collage <laughs> I don't know what this is it's
1: has
0: it been um, an <laughs> act of therapy? I I can you know it did feel good to be doing it and it felt it felt good to sort of free myself to cut those sort of shapes out and, and I felt like I suddenly grew in confidence throughout the um, time that we've been here at the start of just cutting out squares and now I've created something that's much more sort of colourful and more diverse in shape and in texture. So in that respect I'm sort of quite pleased with it actually.
1: Um, well, at the next step, you need to get hold
0: of a magazine and cut it out. <laughs> well, maybe I will do yeah. that. <laughs> Thank you very much, Bruce. Oh, well, thanks,
1: for well. to see
0: me. Thanks for joining us on Consuming Culture, and to my contributor, Bruce Ingram. Thanks also to my editor, Dan Bolger. Make sure to visit us on Instagram, where you can see our work especially commissioned for this series don't want to miss future shows then do subscribe and while you're at it if you liked it we'd appreciate a rating see you next time baby don't go to bed hungry
1: baby